Welcome to the Heart of Healing, the pandemic episodes. I'm your host, Tom Fold. In these episodes, we will meet loving, talented people who, while coping with their own pandemic stress, are offering others understanding, compassion, love, and ways to relax and heal, even under the weight of current conditions. Listen with an open heart to those who, in this time of crisis, are offering their hearts and talents to us all. And I'm very pleased today to have as our guest, Michael Sinquino, who is the co-founder of Soho Creative Studio. Welcome, Michael. Thanks for having me, Tom. It's great to be here. It's nice to have you here. And you wrote something that I find fascinating. I want to start by talking about this. You said that the work of your heart is inspiring the very best in others to come out and play. What a lovely statement. Tell me how you do that and what, what's that like? Ah, I love this. Um, well, the how, the how kind of varies. Um, I'm, but inspiring the best in others to come out and play, I, I believe, is my purpose. And the reason for that is because I know that we are never more our truest selves than when we're at play. And when we're truly at play, there's something that magical that happens. And that magic is found in something outside of ourselves. So when we're being playful, we're being who we really are. And our attention generally is really not on ourselves. When you look at athletes on a professional field or athletes on an amateur field or actors on a stage or people in front of a camera or, or people in a room, um, when we're being playful, we're being who we really are and we're free of ourselves and, and out of our heads. And it all, I don't say it all goes back to this one instant, but uh, in, in graduate school, I had a really great teacher. I had many great teachers, but one of them was William Esper. Bill is a legendary, he's no longer with us, but he was a legendary acting teacher. Um, Sanford Meisner, he was sent with work with Sanford Meisner, who was another legend of the American theater for about 12 years. And he created Rutgers MFA acting program. And uh, I was very, I was fortunate enough to get to go there. And uh, the long story short, um, one day in acting class, we were doing monologues and you go up on stage and you do your, you kind of subtext, which is underneath the words. So it's kind of an improv. And then you try to make the actual words sound like, or be as real as what you were saying in your own words. That's the trick. And I went and it wasn't a very good showing <laughs> to say the least. It was very reserved. I was very newscastery. And he said something and Bill had a real knack for just saying one sentence and really having things click for you without having to kind of drone on. And he said to me, and I'll never forget it. He said, your glibness takes you away from your true self. Beautiful, beautiful. Yeah, yeah. And at the moment I had, I knew exactly, went right in, went right in. Right. It hurt because he the was arrow, right. The arrow landed. Yes, the arrow landed. And so I had the choice to jump or not jump. And I, I jumped and um, it was a beautiful experience. There wasn't a dry eye in the room. Um, I let go of the idea of how I think this thing should go and surrender to the moment. Um, I just feel like when we're being playful, that's where the magic can happen. And if you want, you know, we walked by, you know, I had dental work done this morning. We're walking by a playground in Brooklyn and these, you know, five-year-olds are out running around playing each other. They don't worry about what do I look like? Am I being silly? Um, what is this person's perception of me? Am I playing too big? Is you know, none of those things ever come up. And those are the things that we, we kind of learn as the years go on. And I, I kind of note as we get older and older and older, we play smaller and smaller and smaller. And I think the opposite should happen. So, um, we, you know, we should play bigger and bigger and bigger 
because really the only thing we ever have to lose is ego. Uh, and that's, <laughs> you're not losing, not losing anything there, really. Uh, the ego thinks you, you are, but, but not you. So um, to the second part of your question to answer it, um, how do I do that? Um, most of the time, uh, it's while I'm behind a camera and someone is in front of my camera. I've been a professional photographer in New York since 2009 uh, now, so it's been a little while. Um, I've had the good fortune to shoot well over 1,400 people and counting. And the key to getting a great photograph is being seen as your truest and best self. And that automatically happens when you're being playful. It's never the idea of, of your self-concept or, or how you want you know, that, but it is the true you. And I really feel like people respond to that. And people respond to people that are enjoying themselves and that are playful. And I just feel like I know that play unlocks so much humanity in others, and that lends itself to connection. And I believe there's nothing more powerful than human connection. So that's that's, that's the roundabout wonderful. way. Well, yeah. that's wonderful. Now, the hard question or the hard thing to do, I imagine, is to help somebody who stands in front of the camera and is self-conscious and is self-conscious about how I look or what yeah. I might sound like or, you know, it's, it's not open and playful. Maybe they want to be, but they're not. How, how do we help that person? Yeah, back to the connection thing. So um, one of my favorite photography quotes is from a photographer named Eve Arnold. She was a, a, docu a documentary type journalistic photographer, um, photographed people like um, Marilyn Monroe and, and um, a bunch of movie stars at that time. And uh, her Malcolm X is someone she photographed, really legendary photograph of him. Um, she said, if the photographer cares about the subject and, and, and is compassionate, much is given. Therefore, it is the photographer and not the camera that is the instrument. So to your question of like, well, how? It's different for everybody, but the general idea is to help that person to get them out of their head and into the moment, out of their head, into their body and connected to the camera in a way that is playful, in a way that is meaningful for them and in a way that helps them forget what they look like. So one of the main things I do is to help people characterize the camera and simply using an as if, as if the camera is this person or that person. And our brains don't know the difference between things we imagine and things that are real. So if right. you imagine that person is there and you, and you allow yourself to be open to it, you're going to, you're going to feel what you would feel if they were actually there. It's a really neat thing us human beings can do. Um, so that, that's one of the things. Um, but it is different for everybody. You kind of get a feel for what people need. And um, really the idea is to keep, keep them out of their head. Well, I can understand that because I know that's where I go immediately when I'm having a picture taken. You know, it's right into my head and wondering, you know, what do I look like? Or what's, is this smile a real smile or anything like that? You know? Right, right. Um, it's about having a conversation with the camera and just letting go. Really, I think the biggest thing I notice with, with uh, my clients is, and myself, is letting go of the idea of how we think this thing should go. Yes. And forget it. It's not going to go that way. I promise you it won't. <laughs> and because that just doesn't happen that way. And, you know, as an actor, I'm, I'm a trained actor. So, you know, my goal always in an acting scene now is to get lost. I want to get lost with this other person. I have an idea of how this thing should go and what I'm going to do here and how I'm going to say this, but I really surrender to the other person 
And going back to William Esper, he said, you know, if you surrender to, to that other person, you will do things you know not of. And it is true. And there's a certain genius that happens when you're doing that and you're working from a place that a lot of us don't ever really get to work from after we're five years old kind of thing. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a beautiful, magical thing. And you see, I know actors, so I see it in actors a lot that surrender to their acting partner. Then when you have two people doing that, you become absolutely captivating. And it's just weird thing that we, that we all have access to at any given moment. It's, it's, not, um, it's not even something you have to train per se. It's just something you have to allow. One of the things that I think is important based on what you're saying is you as the person behind the camera, I've got to trust you. I've got to you know, really relax with you. And that's a talent. Did you always have that? Did you train for that? Did you, is it instinctive? What do you think? Okay. Well, I mean, I, I had a very uncomfortable childhood for many, many reasons, one reason after another. So I know what it's like to feel uncomfortable and right. anxious and be stuck in my head. Um, so you think these things are misfortunes and then you realize later they're superpowers. Um, and when, when in the right application, in the right, um, you know, in the right environment, I think everything's a superpower um, or can be a superpower, but, um, it, it's really about having compassion for that person and going back to being compassionate. Like I get it. Yeah. Though I will say, I will say, and my dentist reminded me of this, reminded me of this this morning is that I don't, I, I tend to not like the dentist, but I love my dentist. And I walked in there this morning, like level of one to 10, eight anxiety, but she gets it. And she's like, we're going to go right in. We're going to do this thing. You'll be good to go. You're all good. And just, just, and by the end of it, like I went from going, I really don't want to be here. I really don't want to do this at the, in just one hour later, I was like, Hmm. I'm like, well, I wonder what other dental work I can get done. I'm like, maybe I can get some other things fixed. I'm like, I don't mind this at all because the idea I had in my head did not match what actually happened. Cause what actually happens is really not a big deal. Um, and I get that. So um, well, you know, what you're saying, though, because uh, I relate to this 100 percent, I, I just found a dentist here in Jersey City that I am in love with. I mean, he is amazing and he gets me and he gets others that, you know, that there's a, a person associated to the, with the teeth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that makes all the difference in the world. But this is something it's like overcoming when you say the perception of what I thought would happen or what we've think because of our experiences, because yes. we've had negative experiences. Yes. So necessarily somehow to overcome that and let those go. So you can be there. And when I'm there, as you're just talking about, you had a dental experience for an hour and you said, Oh, I could do some more of this. This is good. Yeah. But that's not how you went into it. No, no. It was six, less than 60 minutes. And <clears throat> she even said by the end of the session, she's like, you're so much better than you. And like, I've had massive amounts of dental. I had my, I had my wisdom teeth out in the Navy, all four of them on a ship. They were all impacted. That was not fun. Like I just oh, haven't had I great... don't like that at all. <laughs> oh, it was the worst. Um, but, you know, so I, you know, I've had many, I, I had braces for seven years. So it was, it's not been a great uh, experience for me. These weren't bad people, but they just weren't, like you said, you, you, you find somebody. Um, that sets you at ease. 
And it's like, I just, I, I feel like when I, I get it, like, and it's really funny because everybody thinks they're the only one that gets nervous. Right. Right. And I'm like, everybody that comes in front of the camera, even models and actors, sometimes the actors are even worse than I, I would say civilians, people that are not in the performing arts. They're just as nervous, if not more nervous than people that are just in business that aren't in front of the camera. Um, but it's interesting. It's so, it's so fun to watch this person feel anxious five minutes later, start to be okay. 15 minutes later, be like, I love this. I'm like, of course you do. You were born to do this. This is easy. This is what your soul wants. And it just takes a little bit of time and holding space for people that, that know they can be who they really are. And, and for me, I think one of the greater gifts that I continue to get to give people is to hold the space so they can feel like they could be who they really are. And not only you're not going to get judged, you're going to get celebrated for that, whoever you are. That's really wonderful. It, it almost sounds like if you didn't have the camera, you would just be a good therapist. You would just be a good, you know, coach. There's a photographer that says the photographer, he says he's he's 99% therapist and 1% photographer. I think to a degree that's that's uh, that's true. Um, but yeah, that let you know, you bring up another point. Another thing that I do is presentation coaching helping people with public speaking and the principles of acting and helping people on camera. And this is something I kind of fell into seem to lend themselves very, very well to helping people communicate more effectively, more clearly, um, and with a greater level of inspiration. And I just love helping someone who is kind of timid or nervous about it. And then seeing them come to life on stage. I, I, just a quick story. I, I, um, we were down at Red Hat in uh, North Carolina, which is owned by IBM now. It's a software company for those who, who might not know it. Um, and there was a woman there. She's Now, these are SVP level people we were coaching. And they have a leadership summit every year. And we were there for two days teaching them uh, how to be more effective speakers and presenters. And the first day, you could tell she was kind of holding back. And she came up to me after and she's like, Michael, I feel like I'm kind of like, I'm a little nervous, not playing. I'm like, listen, I'm like, forget about the content tomorrow. I'm like, forget about giving a good speech. I'm like, forget about what, what you're supposed to say. I'm like, just go for it. Go for it and see what happens. Tom, oh my God. She was like a tiger up there walking around the room. And when she got, like, she killed it. And when she got done, someone raised his hand. One of her colleagues raised his hand. He goes, you know what? I'm not a hundred percent sure what she's selling, but I am buying. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> and I'm like, that's, that's the thing. It was really cool. And that's, it's, you know, it's a two-part process of like, here's the door. You're welcome to walk through it or not. Like, and I get it, but she walked through, she jumped. And it was really beautiful to see. Um, and I go back to, I used to think that, you know, coaches were kind of bogus and, oh, you don't need, you know, coaches are kind of a scam, but it's just so not true. And I still, to this day, I've got an acting coach. I've got a business coach. I've got people that can see for me what I cannot see. And I'm so grateful for them um, because I get to grow. I, I feel like I would be, for the most part, stuck in kind of a circle um, if it wasn't for my coaches and teachers. I've had a lot of great teachers. Over the years. Oh, and that's wonderful to have. And also you've had life. I mean, as you were saying earlier, some of the things that look like they're the worst possible things are teachers also and can change the course of where you're going yeah. and, and what people learn from the accident, the problem, the, the negative thing. Yep. But you, you also said something interesting that I love is, you know, trust your instincts and mm. they'll serve you better than you may know. Mm. That's what I hear you saying now that if that to that woman who was in, you know, a little let go and go for it. 
trusting the instinct seems like that's one of the keys. There was something that I, in 30 something years, never heard in Star Wars, the original Star Wars, um, episode four, the, the first Star Wars that was made. There's the beautiful climactic scene at the end where Luke is flying into the Death Star and he's going to blow it up. And he puts his computer in front of himself. Right. Because he doesn't trust himself. And he's going to leave the work to the computer instead of trusting himself. And I, sw I swear, <laughs> my hand to God, I did not hear this until about a year ago. Um, I always heard um, when, when he hears Obi-Wan Kenobi in his head or, or in the universe speaking to him, I always heard use the force. I, I always heard that, like use the force, Look, I always remember that. But he also says, let go, Luke. Ah. <laughs> And I never heard that before. And I was like, oh my, he says, let go. And, and there, therein lies it all. Let go of what? Let go of the idea of what you think should be. Let go of, of that voice in your head. Let go, let it all go. Let it all go and surrender to the moment and go wherever it takes you. Let the um, fear go. Let the fear go or, or let the fear be there and go anyway. And it. It, yeah, it's, it's amazing. And, and you know, another thing that I was told recently it makes so much sense. Um, it's a great quote. I love it. You said that which we resist persists. Persists, yes. And it's uh, like surrendering to that. It's like, I'm okay. The feeling is fear. It's going to be there. I'm going to let it be there as long as it wants to. I'm not going to change it, but I'm going to move forward and I'm going to move into it. It's it's just remarkable how quickly it fades. It does. And the, the irony is that one second ago, <laughs> it felt like it was going to last for the rest of our lives. Right, but, right. But it, exactly. but it just doesn't work that way. And then when you cross that threshold, it feels like, well, everything's okay. Everything's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Now, one question I wonder in this work that you do, um, all of it, how was it different during these last two and a half years? I mean, the people, we were all under a, a great amount of stress and fear. And how did you show up and how did you help with people with that? What a great question. Um, this last two years for me have been very difficult, but I will say coming out of it now, it was one of the greatest gifts I've ever been given. And the gift of uncertainty, of not knowing what is going to happen when, if this ever going to, where are we, who are we going to go? Am I going to get this? Is someone I care about going to get this? What's going to, what is this? What, how do I get, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So this last two years have really been about connection for me. And I have been helping people connect over the platform we're on right now, which is Zoom. Right. And to try to help them create meaningful connection over a digital platform. Now I'll be completely honest. I would be lying if I didn't say that in-person is the best way to go. And I've got eons of stories about why. But this, this offered us something that, you know, if this thing happened in 1998, it would have been very, very isolating. So my work shifted from photographing people in the room because I couldn't do that for at least the first six months, nine months. You know, then the restrictions were lifted and then people were still a little skittish, which I completely understood. And so was I. Um, right. And I found myself the first time back in the room um, holding my breath around people because <laughs> I because I just I didn't want I was like, well, maybe I have it and I don't want to breathe on them. Like, you know, so I was holding my breath around other human beings because I was just scared um, that that went away um, quickly. But really, over the last two years, to answer your question, 
it was helping people communicate more meaningfully over Zoom. And in front, because we're in front of the camera and how to, how to be seen and how to let others see you and how to see others and to connect on a meaningful level, even though you're in 2D and you don't have that kind of in the room vibe. Right. And did you find that in these last two years that people were more upset, more tense, more worried? It seemed like they were in general, but I don't know if you found that to be true. I, I did. I did. Um, and uh, I had a lot of friends that I would actually meet with Zoom meetings on and we would just spend time together and talk about what we're afraid of, what's going on and, and you know, how could we help? Um, so I did, I did feel that people's anxiety level was, was a lot higher. And one of the things that I was reminded of is that um, this is great. This, this platform is wonderful because we can do things that, that were impossible just some time ago. And I, I mean, we're having a conversation now. We're a state apart. I, I can see you. I can hear you. We're in real time. It's wonderful. We're not just on a phone. I'm not, I can see your expressions. That's really neat. Um, but you don't get that human in-person chemical release that happens when you're in the presence of other humans. So one of the big things that I learned, and, and I would love, I want to share this with your audience, Tom, is that this platform is great, but it is not a replacement for what you do in the room. Right. And it's a, it's a bridge. It's great to not have to get on a plane for a 10 minute meeting. That's wonderful. But we also need to supplement it within the room because I found on this platform and Tom, I've spent I mean, I don't want, I don't maybe thousands. I haven't really counted, but I've been living on this platform since January of 2020. So well over two years and at least hundreds of hours worth of Zoom meetings. I found that it was like sucking my soul because I wasn't getting that in the room kind of dopamine release when you get, when you're just sitting with other people. So I've learned that this is very useful. And I've, I've come this last two years now coming out of it, I've come to find the balance between this is great. And I still take a lot, lots of meetings on zoom, but I also make it a point to get in the room with other people, even just sitting at a table, something happens, um, to our, to our physiology that we, yes, don't, uh, yes. that we oh, agree. There is some energy. There's something I can only call it energy where you're sitting with someone else. You're in a room of a few people or whatever. You, there's something that happens that does not happen on zoom or any other way. Yeah. Uh, but, but as you have said, Thank goodness for Zoom during this time when it was not safe to get in a room with other people. Exactly. We still could connect. So it's quite wonderful that, you know, we had it and that we also are recognizing. And I don't know, this whole two-year period has brought for all of us changes and all of us thinking, rethinking our life and rethinking how do we want to do this. And I hear that you have become, at least my interpretation of what you just have been saying is that you've become more convinced of how important going with your instinct is how important playing is. It's so important. And I mean, the thoughts, 99% of my thoughts are utterly useless <laughs> and I'm not exaggerating. They just are, they're just not, it's just not, they're just not helpful. And I'm not saying that um, one should be reckless or, or just, you know, try, be, be uh, impulsive or, but there is, there is, you feel it, you feel it first. And, and, you know, someone once said to me, he said, a really great test is, you know, do I want to do this? Well, ask yourself a question. Does it feel good in my body? 
And right. in, in a tenth of a second, you're going to know. But then you see yourself, then I find myself going, then going up to my head to go, wait, does this feel good in my body? You start thinking about it. You're like, well, there's your answer. You're thinking about it. It doesn't feel good in your body. The, no, the yes or no would have come very, very quickly. And I, I just want to add as well, one of the things that, uh, you know, before we run out of time, that um, there is a certain magic also that happens when we're doing what we enjoy. Absolutely. And it's so important to do what we enjoy. And no, you don't have to choose between money or enjoyment. Those things can come together in a magical way. And the more we do what we enjoy, I, I know that the more we'll have of, of, of what we desire. And I, I used to think that like, oh, well, I'll do this thing here to make money, but I don't really enjoy it, but I'll go do this thing I enjoy over here to kind of maybe balance it out. And I found that for business, especially that those that are enjoying themselves are very attractive. And oh, absolutely. And, and partly, I believe, having been in the corporate world myself before, that's because how unhappy we all were in the corporate world. And to see someone with that vi vibrant and, and wonderful enthusiasm, you say, I want that. I want to be like that. Yes. It's accessible to everyone. And Joseph Campbell says, and I, I some it's one of my favorite quotes is follow your bliss and don't be afraid. Right. And well, I used to wonder, I, I got it. I used to wonder why you said that, but but I, I, um, I real I was taught, I read a book uh, recently called Letting Go, um, really wonderful book, but he just talks about how when you're doing something, when you're enjoying yourself, you just become attractive to, to, to the universe, to other human beings. And that, that builds. So I've learned for me, I, I do a lot more of what I enjoy and that continues to be very helpful. Well, you've answered a question I haven't asked, which is, what do you see the future? But I hear your future is doing a lot more of what you love. Yeah, help, helping others, helping others get out of their own way, helping others communicate more clearly, helping others be more of who they really are, um, helping business owners communicate what they do, why they do it in a passionate and clear and meaningful way. Um, those are the things that, that I'm, I'm looking forward to. That's what Soho Creative does. That's what my creative agency does. Sometimes it's designing a website. Sometimes it's someone on video. Sometimes it's a photo. Sometimes we're doing copywriting, but it all really goes to helping this individual in their business to be seen for who they really are and to be able to share in a meaningful, consistent, and clear way so that they can attract their ideal client. And then, and then also maybe even repel those clients that might not be so ideal. Yes, uh, I wish there were many out there. Yes. <laughs> yes, we don't well, align with everybody. This is wonderful. I mean, time has just zipped by as it, it usually has. does when I'm having a good time and I'm certainly having a good time talking to you. But before we end, if people who are listening are enjoying this as much as I am and have some questions or would like to work with you in some way, what's the best way for them to reach you? I think Instagram, um, I'm Michael Sinquino, all one word on Instagram. And okay. then that links out to SohoCreativeStudio.com. And um, you can, anybody can reach out to me there. I love, I love hearing from people. So please feel free. Um, and before we run out of time, Tom, thanks so much for, for having me on um, and for having this podcast. I, I feel like um, we can choose to focus on, on the good or we can choose to focus on the not so good. And I love that you're doing a podcast where it's, we feel good. We're focusing on the good and the future of good. It's, it's really wonderful. And um, 
you, you're, I'm having a great day. And well, this is you. definitely I, a highlight. <laughs> Help me to have a great day. And that, to be honest, that's why I started this. So I would have some good news and you're mm. giving us good news. And I appreciate that. So I thank you very much for I being thank you. a wonderful guest. It's my pleasure.